Next up, Aquaman takes the box office crown. That's right. It's time for a Rick and Rick review of the year's splashiest hit. All the CGI action, all the nonstop adventure, all the bongo playing octopi. <laughs> Plus the full scoop on what sinks and what swims in the season's biggest movie event. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Rick Matheson. Of course, I'm joined by Rick Wooten. And we're taking a little break from our awards series just now for this episode of Rick and Rick, just so we can do our official review for Aquaman. So you had a tough time going to this movie. Oh, yeah. You know, so, so, you know, you and I had planned to try and uh, to meet up to go see this, but, you know, I had a kid coming home from college and a bunch of work stuff going on. And I just, it just kept not, kept, plans just kept not coming together and I, I never to get back to you. So, you know, we went off and saw it separately. So you, you texted me the other day and said, Hey, I saw it, you know, I got some reactions to it. Let's definitely talk about it the next show. And so yesterday, Saturday, I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm going. I bought tickets. I went on Fandango. I bought my tickets. I picked some seats. Ironically, there were like really good seats. I thought like, wow, you know, usually when you buy, you know, within a few hours, you know, the seats, uh, the seats are generally not that great, but I got great seats, you know, rolled down there, uh, you know, use my code to, to claim my tickets, uh, went in. We actually bought like popcorn and chips and, you know, I, I, I can't go to a movie and not eat red vines. So I had a box of red vines. My son had a box of red vines. His friend was with them. And so we all go in, they, they, they scan our thing. They give us the tickets. They tear the tickets in half. We go all the way into the theater and there's somebody sitting in our seat. It's like, what the heck? And I look at my seat and seat numbers, right. You know, da, 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 back and forth. And, and my son looks at me, he's like, well, what day were the tickets for dad? And I looked down and the tickets were for Sunday, <laughs> not for Saturday. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it was a full 24 hours early for the movie. Now, the weird thing is, is I think there was a bug on Fandango yesterday because uh, when mm-hmm. I went to go buy the tickets, uh, all the movies, all the showings, but I didn't notice it because I'd never seen this happen before, were for the next day. None of them were for the day of. And we're talking like I was buying tickets at 11 in the morning. So it wasn't like it was at 10 o'clock at right. night where it automatically rolled the next day. Uh, but it was every movie. And so when I tried to rebook tickets, when I realized what the error was, I still couldn't do it because Fandango didn't support that day, which wow. is kind of weird. I saw it Thursday. So the preview night before its official opening, and uh, I was out shopping with my daughter and tried to bribe her to go see it again. And so we actually even went up to the theater, but there were only two seats left and they weren't together. So she came this close to have to sit next to somebody else (laughs) to see the movie. But uh, I just couldn't do that to her. So uh, she lucked out. Um, But boy, your sounds even worse. I'd be fighting for those seats. So credit to AMC. All right. And, and, you know, I've had plenty of bad experiences at movie theaters, but I have to say they handled it really well. I I went up to the, uh, the service desk and said, Hey, look, I went online. I tried to buy this. It showed up for, you know, uh, for tomorrow instead of today. And your guy even took my ticket and ripped it in half and the whole thing. It's like, you know, what's going on? And they're like, you know what? No problem. We'll take care of it. Do you want to keep the same tickets or do you want to move you know to a, a different time uh the, I, we actually were able to move the time up because it was um it was going to be later in the day but it was earlier because of that uh and then they actually took back the popcorn and a couple <laughs> other things and said you know hey no problem we'll we'll refund you which i i had to say was really good customer service now i couldn't return the red vines because you know by the time right. i got to 
theater, I'd popped them open and eaten two or three of them. So yeah, I'm hoping yeah, they didn't popcorn, put the popcorn, popcorn back into the barrel, but it sounds like AMC. Well played, <laughs> AMC. Absolutely. Good customer experience. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we are going to be talking about Aquaman. And before we say before we dive in, boy, you're going to have to watch those today. Any, any <laughs> overall reactions? You know, uh, you, you and I have gone back and forth. Okay, so you're a DC guy. I'm a Marvel guy. We both can appreciate the other side. I think it's one of the better DC movies I think I've seen in recent history. Uh, of course, not nearly on the caliber of like a Wonder Woman. Uh, but certainly better than, you know, say Batman versus Superman. So uh, I had a good time. I feel like uh, they did a much better job at connecting to people on a human basis. Uh, and, uh, and, and in fact, it was just kind of nonstop fun, which I'll get into my reverse comment on that in a minute. There is a lot to parse here. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I saw it in 3D, kind of like you did as well. And I will definitely try to see it again. I think it's an easy B for me. A lot to absorb over two hours and 20 minutes. So let's dive into the plot. Aquaman stars Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry as he begins his hero's journey as the love child of a New England lighthouse keeper and Muriel. No, just kidding. It's a lighthouse keeper <laughs> and it's played by Tamura Morrison and the Queen Atlanta played by Nicole Kidman who has escaped, I guess, a forced wedding after the yeah. death of her father, the King. Thomas Curry and Atlanta fall in love and they have a little boy, Arthur, but she She's being hunted by her betrothed back home. And in this battle where CGI Nicole Kidman kicks some ass, she decides to return to the sea in order to save or protect Tom and Arthur, promising Tom one day she would return there. And every day for, I guess, two decades, Tom gets up in the morning and goes to the end of that dock and hopes that one day his mermaid love will come back to him. But we learn that she's gone home to this forced marriage and at some point has given birth to to another son. Prince Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, but he's been corrupted by his father and desires to unite the seven kingdoms of the sea. They can legalize an attack on the surface dwellers if they have, I think, three or four of the kingdoms aligned together for it. And the surface dwellers are played by you and me, who've laid waste to the world's oceans with our garbage and pollution. But whether that's warranted or not, it's all just a pretext for Orm. He wants to use it as the pretext to claim the crown of Ocean Master to take control of sort of this extended kingdom's vast armies, a kingdom that includes the mermen and merwomen of Atlantis. And then this other kingdom that also seemed to be run by humanoids and led by, of all people, Dolph Lundgren. Is that Dolph Lundgren? It was Dolph Lundgren who delivers wow. his inexplicably strong performance. But plus all these other kingdoms, there's like this intelligent species of crustaceans, and then there's these sea trench monsters, and then this other weird species that mostly look alien. Along for the ride is Orm's advisor Volko, who is played by William Defoe, who secretly makes contact with Arthur when he's a little little boy and starts to train him for the day that at least Volko can see coming when Atlantis is going to need a hero to overthrow his younger brother Orm and claim his rightful place as the real king of Atlantis. Also key to this story, Amber Heard. She plays Mira. Mira is Dolph Lundgren's daughter in this, who we first met in Justice League and who's been urging Arthur to get his act together and come save Atlantis before the surface world gets destroyed. And he really doesn't want anything to do with Atlantis. It's only when Tom, his father, is nearly killed by a tidal wave and saved by Mira, who can control water, that Arthur, who unbelievably didn't even know her name at this point, 
So that seemed like a mistake in the movie. Yeah. He decides to begin this quest. Arthur learns that he must find the trident of King Atlan, I believe was his name, who hid it in death because it's so powerful. It's got this energy to it that he felt he has to ensure that only the rightful heir could possibly find it and claim its power as his own. This leads Arthur and Mary on this wild ass quest. I mean, I liked this a lot. You know, it was across the Sahara Desert, then they were on to Sicily, and then down into the trench to finally discover that Atlanta has not been killed. She's alive in this sort of land that time forgot underneath the ocean floor. And he has to claim the trident while facing down Ursula the Sea Witch. Now, I don't know what that thing was. I think it was this giant, humongous Leviathan that is voiced by Julie Andrews. That's how weird this is. And when he does claim the trident, he and the rest of the good guys take on Orm and save the day in this, I mean, epic battle that's like Lord of the Rings scale. There's all kinds of wild creatures and really cool technologies. And finally, Aquaman and Mera, they're victorious. And the ending finds Tom Curry walking down to the end of the dock at sunrise and seeing that finally Atlanta had come home to him, untouched by age, thanks to the wonders of seaweed and salt water. My quick take on this is think Black Panther meets Thor meets Raiders of the Lost Dark, or maybe it's just Ishtar meets Battles anyway from the game. Of Thrones meets the Little Mermaid. At at some points, I half expected Volko to say, "Go on and kiss the girl." Although I guess since it's William Defoe, it'd be, "Go on and kiss the girl." <laughs> And I was not kidding when I texted you this the other day, Rick. I, I felt like there would be, you know, could very possibly be a rousing rendition of Under the Sea breaking out at any moment. <laughs> and there was indeed an octopus playing the bongos at one point. And what was that? Yeah. What Whatever the that? filmmakers were smoking when they made this movie, I would like to have some, please. I do have the background on that because it didn't make any sense to me. It was, felt so out of place. The whole movie's crazy. So if I was <laughs> suspending my disbelief <laughs> no before then, I don't know why a bongo playing octopus would be a problem, but it really bugged me. But there is a backstory to it. Apparently, and I just saw this, I did not know this, that was a nod to a character named Tapo that was introduced in the 1950s in Aquaman comics. He had a pet, Octopus, who he could train to do things like play Happy Birthday or something. And at one point, I guess he was trained to become an expert archer with all eight of his tentacles by Oliver Queen, (laughs) the green arrow. So that is like serious, serious drugs, whoever came up with with that whole thing. But there was a backstory there. And I guess this was kind of a nod to that. But overall, I feel like because of this movie, I think DC now officially has nailed the Amazons and the Atlanteans. So if only they could try again on the Kryptonians and the Gothamites, we might be in good shape. (laughs) (laughs) Overall... I, the movie was a fun ride. Yeah. Uh, because I don't have a whole lot of history. I mean, literally, I've never had a single Aquaman comic. I had no context. I had no preconceived ideas. I went in for a good time, and I had a good time. The yeah. movie had a great tempo. Uh, it moved very quickly. In fact, uh, you know, one of the complaints I, I heard from my son was, you know, it just seemed like things were constantly going on. It's like yeah. there's always something to look at. There was always something to see, yeah. and it was almost tiring to yeah. to try and keep up with the movie. Uh, 
but you know, I I really uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the first action scene where he was uh, saving the the Russian sailors that were uh, on the sub. Uh, I thought that was great. He kind of set up the backstory and why he's got this you know arch villain. I, I thought that was actually pretty effective. Um, you know, the dialogue back and forth with his father. Father. Uh, but anyway, so there was a lot of things early on in the movie that worked. The thing that that that. I mean, it isn't that it didn't work. The thing that I was a little disappointed in uh, was twofold. First of all, and, and you know, again, my son pointed this out, like this, like if you took an outline from college that told you how to write a movie, mm-hmm. like this followed that outline, yeah. right? It's like, you know, oh, you need a protagonist. So they've added in the protagonist. You need this like father issue. You got the father issue. You need this, you know, loss thing. You got this revenge thing. And it's like every trope that you could have, every story arc that you could have, they kind of piled it in here. So there was like so much going on. So that was that was my first one. Uh, my second challenge with it is I couldn't help but to walk away and feel like they aped a whole bunch of scenes from other movies. Yeah. Uh, did you notice that? Yeah, there were a couple. I mean, I was trying to figure it out. I really liked the scene in Sicily, the chase scene in that. There's sort of dual yeah. fights happening. But yeah. not only did it feel like it you know, was straight out of you know Jason Bourne, but I almost yeah. wondered if it was shot by shot something I had seen before, but I couldn't quite place it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of went through the same thing. I think there was a Bond movie in Venice where, you know, he's running in and out of buildings and the, yeah. I think the building he's in is sinking and da, 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 and it felt very much like that. There was the scene with the two of them combating in the lava arena. And yes. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you, that felt to me like Thor and the Hulk. I'm waiting for, you know, hey, I've got a Hulk. And then he comes out, you uh-huh. know, and there was, it was just kind of like over and over again, you know, the the same scene with the, the octopus p- playing the drums felt like um, Black Panther, right? You know, that almost tribal music and, you know, they're going up this cliffside. And anyway, so so, uh, one of the things that that I I would say I'm not necessarily disappointed, but I was surprised at how much of the filming felt so familiar, like something else I've seen recently. Uh, And it didn't feel as original as as I would have thought it would be considering it's under the ocean. And, you know, and because we've joked about it so much, I kept paying attention (laughs) to all the fart bubbles. Yes. You know, one of my one of my favorite actors in this was Willem Dafoe Um, you know the character he played uh, in in my opinion really helped tie all the different pieces of the story together and I think you know particularly with the narrative where you hear him talking about you know the past uh, you know what's happened and you know what's you know what's going on with your mom and how you know uh, Aquaman was trained I thought I thought that he his character was actually pretty awesome and how it helped to connect a lot of the dots for me and again and part of it's just because I'm coming from you know more of the Marvel side I I don't have the backstory but I really I really dug on his character and then then the other the thing that really set with me, and this is, I this has been like uh, a top of mind for me since I've seen the original trailers, was uh, their choice of Momoa for the yeah. um, the Aquaman because uh, my recollection is Aquaman was always a goody two shoe Boy Scout kind of character, not a tattoo wearing long haired guy, right? He always had blonde hair or what have you. And so the choice was interesting. I, I didn't ex- expect it, uh, and then I wasn't sure if it was going to work, and it worked extremely well. I think it was, uh, you know, it, it was actually it, it, it was the exact right character to draw me into the story at least. Yeah. yeah, your perception on that is because of our age group. So he was always terribly square in the comics when we were growing up in the 90s 
they rebooted the character because the universe had been reset. And that's when he was long haired and uh, he went grunge in the early 90s, like everybody else. Um, <laughs> at one point, he had his hand cut off. I want to say Black Manta or, or somebody cut his hand off and it be- he got a like a hook or a spear or something as a hand for a while. So that's where that gruff look came from. I don't know if his character was a lot like Jason Momoa, but I I want to say that I feel like Jason Momoa is bringing something very fresh to the character that is helping that character resonate. What I also like, and I think his casting works extremely well, is that scene where he is talking to Ursula or whatever that giant creature was. She's telling him all the ways that she's going to destroy him. And she doesn't realize he can understand her. And then right. he, he answers and she kind of poses a, a, a challenge to him. You know, who are you? And he says, I, I'm nobody. I think that was the secret of that casting. He's fun. He's, he's like a Hawaiian hang loose, you know, chill out kind of guy on the surface, but somehow he was able to communicate. I was going to say there's depth. Boy, got to watch that. Um, <laughs> there's depth to the character, but there was a facade and the actor was able to somehow suggest there's a facade because underneath I have a lot of hurt. I do feel rejected and I do feel like I'm not worthy of whatever this is happening, that I'm suddenly thrust into having to save this nation and possibly the world. I'm nobody. You know, I'm a lighthouse keeper's son. I loved that scene. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Special effects at times were spectacular. Told you I had a problem sometimes remembering that they were underwater and I didn't understand why the great white sharks were growling and and the monsters were right. making noises. They just that had to do so, build action. So ridiculous! It was so when weird. The great white sharks started growling. It was like you have got to be kidding me. That is so bad. And then and then the um, the octopus started playing the drums. Yes. Those two things were the campiest things in this movie. I was I was just so taken aback by that. There's a lot to take in. It is almost exhausting to to watch, and not in a bad way. There's just a lot going on, and I definitely yeah. want to see it again. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, I actually, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. I think you said you'd give it a B. I'd probably yeah. give it a B or B minus. Uh, there's a lot of movies that I really enjoy watching that I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say are great movies. Yeah. Um, you know, like the uh, all the mummy movies. I, I watch every one of them, and and I just they're just fun, right? You know, you sit down with a you know a beer and some pizza and, and you and you watch it and you laugh and you have a good time and it's action you know this is kind of falls into that camp for me where you know it's not the deepest it's not the you know most intriguing it didn't keep me on the edge of my seat the whole time although i mean look they had chase scenes they had explosions they had you know people kissing and fireworks going off in the background like they hit they hit like i said every trope they hit every single like cliche thing in the movie in it uh and so it was fun and and it was it was one of the more fun movies i've seen this year so I, I'd give it a B, maybe a B minus. I, I will go see it again just for the trench monsters scene where they're battling and then dive into the water. That moment where yeah. it's a long shot and they start to pursue, yeah. that by itself was spectacularly done. And then the tidal wave scene I felt was really good because um, yeah. in 3D, you really felt like, oh shit, you know, this that's what a tidal wave looks like. And he's was high on a cliff driving in the pickup truck. And you really felt like, oh, this is it. I mean, that thing's gonna yeah, exactly. just, I, I really I really thought the special effects in this were generally great. I mean, there were a couple times where I could tell they skimped a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you talked about the scene with where they were diving down into the trench. Yeah. And you know, there's that uh, that that amazing view where they're at the bottom with the uh, the flare and you can see all the creatures descending 
landing on them. And it hark again, because there was so much in this movie that made me think of other movies, it harkened back to Pitch Black for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, then so Exactly. And so he's running through the world with one light source and all the creatures are chasing him. I mean, it just, it you know, gave me that same kind of edge of my, my seat feeling for a few moments. Yeah. Uh, and so I really like that scene as well. So it's a fun comic book movie and definitely a step in the right direction for DC along with Wonder Woman. If only they could do Superman and Batman, you know, in these uh, same veins, I think finally DC would, would get its act together. But I think, I think they're getting there. I think that we saw that in here because yeah. while I've, I've seen a couple of reviews that kind of pan on it and say, oh, you know, they didn't really have a you know, connection to the characters, human connection to the characters. I actually felt differently. I, I yeah. felt that you know, almost every character that they had, you could you could associate with some level much better than I have in in many of the other DC movies. Yeah, so I, agree. I I I think it's I think it's heading in the right direction. I'm very hopeful. Definitely, me too. All right, well, thank you everybody for listening to this Rick and Rick review of the smash hit movie Aquaman. Please join us again next time. We're going to be continuing our series on the bests of 2018 with the Rick and Rick Awards. And uh, next time out, it's going to be about adverb pranks. So please tune in to the one show where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Thanks so much, everyone.